0: chapter 14 of a boy circeau this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by natalie kowal a boy circeau by alan Eric. chapter 14 another exploring trip tropical fruits the morning following the setting of the trap i removed it and allowing the water to drain out through the meshes in the bag, I found three beautiful silvery fish, not unlike the white perch of the northern waters. Cleaning them, I broiled them over the coals, and found them to be delicious, delicate and fine flavoured. After that, I had no lack of fresh fish. Puff meantime had made rapid progress in the art of talking, and could carry on quite a conversation, and many were the hours I spent assisting him in adding to his vocabulary. He insisted upon following me everywhere I went always walking, and never making any attempts to fly, his instructions in the use of his wings having been neglected since his capture. When walking through the bush in search of pigeons and other provisions, I always carried Puff perched upon my shoulder, and he never made any attempt to escape. He seemed as perfectly satisfied with my society as I was with his, and we kept up a continuous conversation. My supply of salt becoming nearly exhausted, I procured a large supply, enough to last me many months by the same process as had been employed on the first experiment, while marching along the coast. This I sealed securely in joints of bamboo. Having no particular task on hand, one afternoon I proceeded to prepare a supply of provisions— roast pigeon, fish, yam, a few oranges, and half a dozen green coconuts, preparatory to setting off the following morning to explore along the bank of the stream, which flowed almost by my door, towards its source. I knew that this was a separate stream— independent of the other two that i had met with i remembered that i had not crossed a third stream on my march from the mountains and i was curious as to its source certainly it must be much shorter than the other two seeking my couch early in order that i might set off by daylight before going to sleep i remembered that i needed a new supply of arrows this would necessitate delaying another day and in the morning i set to work and before sunset i had several dozen of much better made arrows than the first ones With my quiver and provision bag slung across my back, and with Puff on one shoulder and the bow-gun on the other, I set out just as the sun was rising above the palm-trees. I kept to the left bank of the stream, and soon passed Bamboo Pool, where I had first discovered these useful plants. I walked along rapidly, stopping only to refresh myself and Puff. The way was easy, for there were very few shrubs or thorn bushes along the bank, but I had to occasionally turn aside to avoid inhospitable cactus plants and the sharp dagger-like plant which grew plentifully almost everywhere just as i was thinking about seeking a good place to camp in order that i might make myself and puff comfortable before dark i was brought to an abrupt stop where i stood transfixed with surprise for i had reached the source of the stream less than a day's journey from my house before me there was a little pool only a few feet across and its centre was bubbling and boiling The water which supplied the stream flowed from the bowels of the earth. While the pool was violently agitated, no sound was made by the uprushing water. My brook was simply the outlet of a subterranean river. I at once made camp for the night, determining to spend a day around the pool before returning. I kindled a fire for the sake of its cheering effect, and made my supper from the provision bag. Puff was satisfied with a banana. After a frugal breakfast in the morning, for I had only some plantain and a part of one of the fish left, I set out to explore the forests in the near vicinity of the pool. Almost immediately I came across some banana trees, and nearby a few plantains were also growing. Further around I found a couple of orange trees. This seemed quite a natural garden, and it was not so far away but that I could make frequent trips from home for bananas and plantains penetrating a little further into the forest i came to a little clear spot in the centre of which grew two large handsome trees each with straight rather smooth trunks with symmetrical tops at first i thought both the trees were of the same kind but i soon noticed that the leaves of one were larger than those of the other and more pinnate i discovered that both trees bore curious-looking fruit the fruit too looked something alike It was large, round, and green in color, with a pebbly rind. Several were lying under each tree, but that under one of the trees was decayed, and when I tried to move it with my foot it yielded to the pressure, and as the mass parted it looked like uncooked bread. The fruit under the other tree was firm and hard. I was at a loss to solve the mystery. Cutting one of the latter, I found that it had a very hard shell procuring a long pole from the bush i succeeded in knocking off some fresh fruit from the other tree on cutting this i found that the skin was thin and that the inside had something the appearance of a yam i carried one of each to camp when it occurred to me to roast the latter and see if it proved good to eat while it was roasting in the coals i cut the other green globe in halves and found that the hard shell was very readily separated from the meat leaving two nice bowls suitable for drinking vessels, and perhaps for cooking. When I thought the other was thoroughly roasted, I took it from the ashes. The transformation was marvellous. The fruit was now like light white bread. Very cautiously I tasted it, and found that, while it possessed no decided flavour, it was very delicate. I tried some with a little salt, and mentally pronounced it delicious. Before going into camp for the night, I procured half a dozen of each fruit, and early in the morning after adding a supply of bananas and plantains to my burden started to return to the house which was reached early in the evening my time was now occupied by various tasks frequent trips were made to the pool i planted more yams and made frequent excursions hunting pigeons i also made a complete suit of clothes from the coconut cloth including a hat and a pair of very substantial moccasins for my shoes were all but useless these things were varied by giving puff lessons in conversation in which he proved to be an apt scholar i had seen no turtles on this part of the coast and i contemplated a journey to the cove where i had seen them months before as soon as from my calendar i judged it to be their breeding season i had long craved more of their delicious eggs as the days and weeks passed frequent showers came up and after a time the showers of warm tepid rain became more frequent some were very violent with high wind and occasionally thunder and lightning They rose quickly, and as quickly passed over, when the sun would burst out, making the drops falling from the trees glisten like silver. But there came a day of almost steady rain, and after consulting my calendar, I found that it was about time for the rainy season to set in. I had hardly thought of the rainy season since my return from the mountains. Indeed, I had intended to set to work an attempt to construct a craft with which to try to reach the distant land to the east, but now I must wait for another rainy season to pass before attempting it for the sea would be too rough to risk a voyage in a rude and frail craft i allowed gloomy thoughts to take possession of me which i did not even confide to puff who was my only comforter End of chapter fourteen